0: Welcome to the Unseen Collective Podcast, family. We have an amazing episode for you guys uh, this week, this day. You know, we uh, kind of just been going crazy with uh, the release schedule. But either way, you are here now and you are going to enjoy, hopefully, this conversation that I, Eric, and uh, Juan, and and Joanna have today. Uh, We pray that you will prepare your hearts and open it up and that most of all, that jesus will speak to you through this and that it will lead to more unity we thank you so much for being here and we hope you enjoy the episode um, i think it's important for me to say that i am a latino male um because of where where i'm gonna personally share my uh experience and my insight into where this direction will go so uh, who wants to go next
1: I guess it'll be me. (laughs) My name is Joanna Munoz. I'm Eric's wife. And um, I don't know. What else would be important to mention about me? I don't know. But um, you'll get to know me throughout this episode as I also share my thoughts, my opinions, um, and whatever else God decides to drop during this conversation, which I am looking forward to so much. And I really hope and pray that you're able to gain something and that we could bring a different voice um, perspective to um, your current world.
2: And I guess that leaves me, uh, Juan Gonzale. <laughs> um, and I'll explain later on why I, why I said it in such a uh, uh, Puerto Rican way. Um,
1: one more time, one more time.
2: I, what was that?
1: One more time. Juan
2: Gonzalez.
1: Caso Cerrado. Yes.
2: Um, I am the husband to Iralma Gonzalez. Man, I wish she was here so, <laughs> so she could see some super intelligent, <laughs> wise things.
1: <laughs>
0: this is the thing. Like, like I said, I'm laying the cat out of the bag so that everybody listening knows all three of the people on here are Latino. Latino, Latina, what, what is? It, what do they say now? Latinx, Latin, no, all even. this. I hate, <laughs> it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. no, let's not
2: go there.
1: So let's there. not make
0: our identity more complicated than it already is, right? Yeah. But um, you know, like, okay, so l- let's just jump straight in because there was a-, a part of what he said that Loki, in a way, not necessarily. Like I see the sentiment of everything he's saying, he's right in many of the things that he's saying. Um, I get where he's coming from, in many of the things that he's saying. But it's something that I hear time and time and time again. Yes, I understand that we would grieve the lack of unity in the church, but in my opinion, it's not. It's not that all of a sudden uh, the church is not united. It's not that all of a sudden we're not together. It's the fact that all this time we have not been on the same page and what's rearing its head is not this, this, uh, uh, you know, I don't even want to say that it's not a spirit cause I believe it is, but what's rearing its head is not the lack of unity in the sense that it just came out of nowhere. What's rearing its head is the fact that it was always there and something there was a catalyst That brought it forth so that we would see, you know, before we were um, getting ready for the episode, we were talking about some things lightly in preparation. And one of the things that we did was talk about code switching. Now, code switching for anybody that doesn't know is the fact that many minorities, when they go into professional places and organizations such as their own workplace, they will switch up the way that they talk. The way that I'm talking right now is the way that I talk normally. And instead, we will, for lack of a better way of saying it, talk more white. People will say talk professionally, but what does that imply? Right? And so we do that mainly for a lot of different reasons, but mainly in order to protect ourselves from being viewed a certain way. Now, this happens in the church, too. We come into the church, and we code switch to maintain unity with each other. But this unity is baseless. I've seen so many people, especially not so much in Foursquare churches. Thank God, I don't I don't know many Foursquare churches. I'm relatively relatively new to Foursquare, but from what I've seen, we're a little bit ahead of a lot of uh, a lot of denominations. But I've seen a lot of other churches where people will switch up the way that they are completely in order to be accepted and you become the token black guy, the token Spanish guy, right? And you're doing all of this to maintain the peace. But the moment that you bring up something that's not accepted, all that goes out the door. So are we really united though? That's the question. Are we really, truly living in unity? When Jesus came and he was doing miracles and he was preaching the gospel and he was essentially saying to them, I am that I am saying that he is God. That was causing some division. To all the Jews. Now, was that something to be mourned or was it something to be noticed? Was it something to look at and say, "Oh, I wish we were united on this one topic," or is it does it beg the question, "Why are we not united in this one topic?" I don't know. What do you guys think? I don't want to get all preachy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Yo, I've got. Right, let me let me stop talking." I took a couple of pauses and y'all didn't take the shot, so I was just like, "They I, just no, let you me." did
2: me. not. I
0: was looking,
2: and I was waiting, and, and no, th- th- those breaks weren't long enough.
0: Anyway, no, I break, a pause to you, and they, I was like, oh, you're not taking it. I'm going to keep going.
2: That's fine. Okay, but you said something really important. You started off something really important, right, which I know I'm going to have to explain the whole Juan Gonzalez thing. Let's um, do it. Uh, in a conversation I was having with my wife, it had to do a lot with this. And wondering why I just go by Juan, and and it just just makes it easier for everybody. Juan Gonzalez just rolls really easy. I've been not only do I, not only am I proud of who I am, what I am, Puerto Rican, but I want my kids to be proud. Each of my five kids, from the twenty-one year olds to my thirteen-year-old, proud of being who they are. Yes, we live here. Yes, everything about us is American, but we have roots that are amazing, right? And I'm only starting here to expand to what we're trying to speak about. But I am who I am. I am a mix of everything. I am African American. I am European. I am Indian. I have everything. And I need, I need to be proud of that. Of all of it. Like it's I was fearfully and wonderfully made. And a huge mix. It's a, it's a big ball of, of just ingredients. And 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 I'm just saying, pretty tasty. Puerto Rican food is really, really good. Just saying, <laughs> everybody loves it. <laughs> so so and this is who I am. And I want to be proud of it but we stand somewhere in the middle. Um, I was thinking about something a couple days ago and we're looking at all the imperfections, right? Of what we have to fix. Now we've spoken to Dr. D and in speaking and learning everything and reading her book, this goes back in the church a long, long time. It's not something new. Like Eric says, it's something that's been around for quite a while and it hasn't been fixed yet. Will it be fixed ever? I sure hope so, but it, it's, it looks like it's a ways away. But the really cool thing here is, and this may have nothing to do, but I tied it in somehow. You, you guys tell me if you think it makes sense. Um, God hates divorce. The Bible says God hates divorce, right? It's better for the two people to stay together. Um, and then you see a lot of people just leave. When something is inconvenient, they leave people just up and go. Now, how beautiful would it be for somebody to stick around and want to fix something? I'm not saying stick around for abuse. I am not saying stick around for abuse. I am saying stick around for repairs. Hmm. Um, I know a lot of, a lot of marriages that stuck around, stayed together for repair.
1: Right. And that's work. Right. It does take work. Both parties have to be in agreement and both parties have to want to seek that reconciliation for there to be reconciliation.
2: Exactly. But sometimes it starts with one person calling the other one out.
1: Exactly. And calling them out out again. Mm -hmm.
2: And calling them out again. And then the other person really sees, crap, I'm losing something that's very, very valuable to me. Um, Another thing is I don't think I need to be blacker or I need to be whiter. Um, there's something beautiful in all of us. I think the beauty really shines when we're working together. All of our strengths shine when we're working together. and so in looking at it it's it's a difficult task one that i I try to view the th- things in um and either either way, whether I'm with, with my Black or African-American friends or my white Anglo friends, my Puerto Rican friends, my Mexican friends, my whatever friends, I try to view them and, and, and understand them. But I believe there's more of a beauty when we're together. So it's like, yes, I could I could understand you and I could speak to you about it, but do you really want to hear my side of it
1: mm-hmm. or do
2: you just want me to side or understand you? Because where we reside is somewhere in the middle.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, I I I understand your views, I understand your pain, and I'm with you. Um in some of my notes. Oh my goodness. Um so I don't screw this up.
1: Well, while you're looking, yeah. Do you want to keep okay? So while you're looking, I I was thinking about when you were saying we're left somewhere in the middle and that has so many meanings sometimes for us because we obviously we have you know God's given us discernment we know what sin is and what sin isn't we know when there's a some kind of you know ugly injustice we know it, you know sin is sin right um but we're we're not left in the middle about whether what the injustice that's occurred is a sin or not. We're in the middle because sometimes it middles is synonymous with forgotten middle. Sometimes is synonymous with, Hey, we're also hurting. Hey, we're trying to understand where we stand in all of this too. Hey, we're not from here or there. Sometimes like it's, and so we're stuck in the middle, not because we want to be in the middle, but because we're actually stuck there. Where uh, earlier when we were talking and having conversation, we were, you know, you, I think you were saying, you know, I'm I'm not black enough. I'm not white enough. And sometimes that even, mean, that even <coughs> means I'm not American enough. Where does that leave us? Stuck. Synonymous for in the middle. That's a lot. That's a lot to carry. You know, that's a lot of I don't think that's talked about a lot because it's just I think we're trying to process it as a, a brown community. We're trying to understand it. We're trying to find our own voice in it while respecting and giving space to our black counterparts, to our, our black community, because we know the pain, not their exact same pain, but we understand it. We can sympathize.
0: And supporting them
1: and and we want to support you know and we want to give them that, that the um a shoulder and and like you said support them um but then we're we're also carrying this big ball of confusion and not knowing how to unpack it or explain it
2: yeah it's almost like we have to pick a side um when, when a situation arises, it's it does feel like we have to pick a side. We can't just be understanding and, and see the things that that are going on around us and, and have our own opinion. We almost have to pick that. Okay, we have to side with this or side with that. And sometimes that's the right thing to do. Sometimes I have to side with righteousness. Yeah. You know, as, as, as referees, we're called... To, to side to call out what's wrong and, and side with what's right that's what we're to do as christians sometimes it's not black and white and it's, it's sometimes we're we're sort we're completely left out mm-hmm. um like he said sometimes we're not black enough for certain things we're just not black enough for certain other things we're just not white enough um when they look at us we we aren't I'm not Puerto Rican, you're not Puerto Rican, we're all Spanish.
1: Mm-hmm. So the identity
2: of every Latino person in the United States is just yeah, jumbled up minimized. into one. What was that?
1: I was saying it's almost minimized. Yeah. And then so, there's a layer yeah. to that. Sorry to interrupt you. Because as as I'm usually one of the only South Americans in the room, in a room full of Caribbeans. That's another layer added to that. Mm-hmm. But because I, as a South American mix, want to be um, I want to sit at the table too, I'm gonna have to sit there and be okay with being lumped with my Caribbean Latino friends and brothers and sisters. and I'm not that I'm not okay with it. but there are, like you said, like there there are identities that you can't just minimize. There are Puerto Rican identities at the table. There are Dominican, there are Cuban, there are Peruvian, there are Colombian, there are Panamanian, there are Chilenos. And I can keep going. And that gets just balled up like.
2: Yeah. And we can keep going with this. Now I'm gonna try to bring it back (laughs) to what we listened to real quick. Little a little bit. With everything that's always put out there, does everybody feel comfortable asking you are you okay with this without getting blown up on? Sometimes like, am can't. I showing enough am I showing enough guilt? Pretty much. Am I showing enough guilt to talk about this and have you accept that I'm with you? and another thing that i think about because it gets posted all over the place and talked about all over the place if they don't if somebody feels like there is not enough guilt being shown it gets thrown on them or on me or or even i may have done that before when i feel completely invisible and the abuse it's like oh you're gonna hear it. You, 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 you ask you're gonna hear it. You're gonna hear it for yourself and for everybody else that has uh, faulted me. So I'm thinking about it. I'm trying to, I'm trying to view it on the other side because these are conversations I, at work I have these conversations. I try to be as free to have conversations about race relations and politics as much as I can because I don't like the boundaries that everybody sets so many -hmm. things that can't be spoken about so what could we talk about just jokes and 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 lunch and dinner and and kids Mm -hmm. and not really deal with any of the important things yeah so i don't know what do you think
0: there's so much there's there are so many layers to peel back that it's almost as if when you start to peel back one layer after another and you're still on the surface You don't want people to think, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. Or um, it almost leads to a sense of dissatisfaction because it it all depends on your level of knowledge and awareness or wokeness is the new term that either people love or hate. And it's like the thing about it is, is that as you grow in that awareness, depending on your racial identity, you grow in the awareness of that. And so either you are, you are either becoming more aware of pain that exists in your body that you are not aware of, that is correlated to your past and your ancestors. So how do you, how do you internalize that and come to to the sense of that new reality? Then you come to, you're also coming to terms, um, like in my case, you're coming to terms with seeing the pain of your brothers and sisters who are black, but seeing it to a new level, where when I was in first, second, third grade and we were talking about uh, MLK and Black History Month, we were talking about it like this stuff was done. Right? I don't know how they're teaching the kids now. My daughters aren't in school yet, but we were talking about it like it was done. So my thing is, is that when when my daughters go to school, are they going to talk about George Floyd? Are they going to be talking about this stuff and the skeletons in the closet in America? And is the church the one who is um, actively advancing the Holy Spirit's work in us having these conversations that are difficult but fruitful and lead to true unity? Right, because what you're talking about wine, it's like, yo, are we only gonna talk about our kids and food, and the Super Bowl, right? And mm-hmm. that's like, you know what I'm saying. But there's like a level of of connection that needs to happen. There's like a level of of desire, even. And I remember, for me, when I started to become more connected to the racial uh, issues in America, it was a lot for me, and Then I had friends, I have, I have several friends who actually have degrees in this stuff. And I remember talking to one of them and she just straight up told me, we ain't going to talk about that. I'm glad that you are aware of it now, but I'm not going to open up my wounds to talk about that. And then you have, you have friends even who, when this happens, when something happens that becomes a, um, a uh uh like just like it blows up right and now everybody's to no not not a trend like uh something like george floyd for example um a a it just blows up like something happens and now everybody's talking about it you have the friends that you really care about that shut down their way of handling it is disappearing and then you think about also the fact that as minorities our Emotional expressions are very loud, right? When we're mad, everybody in the room knows. When Billy and Tyler are mad, maybe not so much. Just random names, (laughs) you know. But when Eric and Juan and Joanna are mad, everybody's gonna. I know. I see it in Joanna's (laughs) face. (laughs) (laughs) Our energy is loud. And there's like, it's like a two-sided coin. That's part of our identity. It's amazing. It's beautiful. We express it in many ways, especially in our art forms. But in the same way, it also comes out in our negative emotions. And a lot of people who are not black or brown, they don't know what to do with that. And so it's hard for them. So I get that too. I get that too. But again, it comes back to, is there desire there? Do we truly want to work through those issues and have those conversations on both sides and in the middle, which is where we are, (laughs) right? Do we want to truly commit to that? And then the question then becomes, if we do, it becomes, well, what do we need to do to get there? I don't even necessarily have the answer to that. But what I do know is, is that what I see is that most people are just not committed to it. They would rather save face. They would rather um, just hope that the other party is going to bring it up. I'm telling, I'm saying this because I've been there. I've done this, you know, they, we would rather um, just, you know, we would rather maintain the nice appearance of unity. We'd rather keep that because it's easier. I see you on Sundays at church. Maybe I see you on small group in the middle of the week but I got to go home to my family and deal with my problems. Do I want to open up a whole can of worms with people that I only see twice a week? Maybe if that, maybe you don't. But at the end of the day, if God is calling us to true unity and he's making us aware of it by, and at least in the America's America is not the whole church, right? But at least in America, in the American context of the church, if he's calling us to unity by showing us the skeletons in our closet, then are we going to have the conversations necessary to be able to get there? Or are we just trying to restore the false semblance of unity that we were happy with before? Talking about our kids and food, the Super Bowl. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not with that no more. I'm not with that
1: well that's the equivalent of small talk right yeah there's no depth there's no depth to that conversation to that relationship and if these um honest conversations aren't being had like you were both expressing then when big things that are that happen in our in our world or in america when these things happen These they're really impactful. You know, George Floyd was impactful or um, the recent killing of this young man, which I can't even process right now. But like that stuff is impactful. And when those things happen and the church is already not unified, these things don't. They just expose what was already there. No unity lack of unity and that's that's a result of all the small talk that we keep having Mm -hmm. all the surface level superficial conversation and and so that brings the church to be reactive rather than proactive
0: yo talk about it
1: that's that thing. That's always been like a big thing in my heart. Is and and whenever I can get the mic, um, whenever I can get to speak, I'll some I'll somehow bring that up because especially when it comes to like mental health or whatever it might be, I'm like you know, we keep having events in response to these. <coughs> Um, whether it's an injustice that's happened, whether to a community, whether it's there was this wave of suicides that were happening amongst um, a group of people in New York. And I went to a church to talk about it. And I'm like, you know, I'm getting tired of being invited. I'm getting tired of having to have a conversation in reaction to these things. Uh-huh. What are we doing as a church to be ahead of this, to 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 prevent this stuff, to have a voice before it happens bring the holy spirit to 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 do as he pleases you know we have the power and authority in christ to bring heaven on earth and what better way to use that power and authority in in these racial in the racial climate that we're in but instead we're reactive rather than proactive because we don't have it together Mm -hmm. with each other
0: It's like, um, I was listening to a podcast recently and, um, I think it was, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, if anybody knows who Tim Ross is from the basement, awesome podcast. We don't want to send you to another podcast. We want you to listen to ours, (laughs) but add that one onto your list as well. But he was talking about the first time, like one of the first times that he really realized, uh, like that America's mad racist or something like that right but he was talking about how he went to Canada and basically he um took out his passport and um and was filling out the documents and under the the documents it asked what your um where were you a, a citizen like oh no what, what your nation nat- yeah the immigration stuff is like what nationality or something like that and, um, and he put African-American, right? And so the lady, he goes up to the thing and hands her the paperwork. And um, she looks at it and then looks at him disgusted. And at that point, I was like, wow, what, what happened, right? Um, she looks at him disgusted. She crosses African out. And she says, don't bring your American racism into our country and hands him back his paperwork. And he was like, yo, he was like really taken back by her. Like she was just like in his face. But at the end of the day, he was like, yo, I'm American. And I didn't even realize this. This stuff is literally built into everything that's ingrained in our society. And you know what's the problem is? The problem is, is that when we're not exposed to other cultures, right? And we're only exposed even in our subculture of Christianity. We're only exposed to American Christianity. So we think that all of this stuff is normal. No, we're just the Western church. There's a whole other faith expression throughout the whole world. And there are people throughout the whole world that are not dealing with this, at least to the magnitude that we are in America. So what are they doing that's right? But then
2: they have their own whole other set of burdens they're dealing with. Uh So, okay, while you guys were talking, Dr. D came back into my mind. Yeah, the book was amazing, but check this out. It didn't stop at the racism. She kept working. Yep. She's done so many other things while dealing with this other issue. Right. Yes, this issue is real. Racism in the country is real. Racism in the church is real. It's not the only issue that's real, though. So while working with this, we have this whole other thing to deal with.
1: hmm
2: This whole other... The one thing that I really find amazing is... and. Something I love and something I can't stand is my twenty (laughs) one check this out. My twenty one year olds, right? Their view of life and Christianity, Mm. and how they're surrendering to God to do amazing things. Like, I'll speak to them and they will get on my nerves. Like, but dad, you don't see this, you don't see that. And I'm over here standing my ground on all the things that I know are right. I know these things are correct. But -hmm. then I see their desire and I see what they're they're not letting up. And I realize when I loosen up, I get to understand them better. It's Mm -hmm. almost like there's a filter now. Like I get to – something was taken out of my ear and I get to hear them clearly now. So when I when I decide, okay, I'm gonna let my guard down and I'm gonna listen. It all makes sense now. And this next coming generation has less of the issues, and we are trying. It's almost like we are trying to awaken them to know this is an issue, and they're saying no, it's it's not. There's so much more that needs to be fixed. There's so so many other things that that are important. We have to work on this, but we have to work on this, and we have to work on this. We're a body. The church is a body. And yeah, my arm could be hurting, but the body still has to function. And we got to work on healing and fixing whatever is wrong with the arm, but the body still has to function. And and no sane person is just going to cut their arm off. Mm-hmm. We're the body. God created us as the body. So how how devoted are we to making the body work together? Yeah. Or are we just going to ignore that other part of the body? I mean, I'm right-handed and I can't swing a hammer with my left. And if I have to build something, I can't just ignore my right arm, my right hand. I won't be able to build something without it. I mean, I could hold the wood, I could hold whatever I gotta hold. I'm not gonna swing a hammer. I get, you know, it's not gonna happen. So is the whole church broken? No, the whole church is not broken. There are some parts of the church that are broken. And there are some, I like to call it ignorant racism. It's something that's come along with you for the longest time. You don't realize you have it, you're ignorant to it, but sometimes mm-hmm. it shows up yeah um hispanic people have that
0: yeah oh yeah everybody has
2: it like i i catch it in myself sometimes i catch it in my friends sometimes and and it's just this is something that's come along when i show it and when i see it i realize okay this is a part of me that has to get fixed
0: because it's a human issue yeah it's 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 a humanity thing it's not a racial thing Me and Joanza have talked about uh, specifically that before, the fact that a lot of people don't want to accept that if the tape, I was going to say if the turns were tabled, if the tables (laughs) were turned, um, almost all of us would do the exact same thing. You know, if Hispanic people, we were the colonizers. We would do the same thing. Mm hmm. You know what I'm saying and we don't we don't realize that really this is a hum this is a sin issue. And so people get in their feelings when you call out their sin issues because they don't want to um they don't want to be labeled as that cuz it is ugly. Yeah, it's ugly. But if we would actually do the work to be able to realize that all of us are susceptible to this, All of us are susceptible to certain biases, racism, uh, prejudice, um, all of those things. They're ugly, but they're real. And it's like, yo, you were saying that the church, yeah, there's parts that are broken. It's still beautiful. Jesus still chose us. Jesus still loves us. If we could find a way to accept the ugly parts of what we have. So that we could finally look at them. Because I feel like what happens is, is that it, it, our eyes are open to it. And what everybody does is they look away. Because they don't want to look at the ugly. But if we could finally get to the point where we accept it to the point. Now I'm saying, I'm not saying accept it, that we allow it. We accept it to the point that we will look at it. Then the conversation could start. Can we accept the fact that we are all broken? Can we accept the fact that inside of us we all carry ugliness okay now we could talk about it but if we won't even how
2: isn't that like how medicine works you're studying what's messing (laughs) people up Yep. and you're looking at it day in and day out day in and day out and then you try something it's like oh man no that killed all the rats and then (laughs) right and then you try something else, it's like, "Oh man, this one did better um until you figure out something that really does work along the way. it does get ugly. it's not always going to be pretty. the end the outcome is gonna be beautiful, but it takes people wanting to get dirty willing not wanting willing to get dirty, yeah, um, there's something uh oh, nobody likes the whole peace aspect um. Now, James 3.18 uh, says, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I like to be loud when I'm hurt. Mm. I, I really like when I'm hurt, I'm going to make a ruckus. I, I, I want to be heard. I want you to know what I'm feeling. But it says a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now, how different would it look? And I'm not saying don't call out injustice, don't call out sin. But sometimes, flipping it around really messes people up. It's like, I did not expect this at all. Sometimes calling it out and calling it out from the rooftop works. Sometimes yeah. flipping tables works, but sometimes the opposite is exactly true. Yeah. And and and, I don't think we'd like to go... I don't like to go there. I know Iralma, my wife, loves to see things from the other side. And that, oh my goodness, burns me up. It's like, why can't you just understand things the way I'm seeing it? And she's like, yeah, but... I mean, have you seen it from the other side? It's like, no, I haven't seen it from the other side. I don't want to see it from the other side. Yeah, but maybe you don't understand what's making this, this go this way. And I, the next day, because at that moment I just don't want to understand it. The next day, I'm driving to work and it hits me. And then I either got to text her or a call her and say, you know what? It makes sense. What you said made sense, and I never saw it that way before. Seeing things from the opposite side, like I'm looking at something here, it's not clear. There's windows on the opposite side, but if you look at the windows in, you see the workings, you see what's happening. Now, the church is a whole, so the church has different angles, different views. Yeah, if we're able to sit down or even somewhat work together in that, we're going to see more angles if we're able to open up and talk instead of just shutting down and feeling what I feel, then I'll be able to feel what I feel, understand what you feel, understand what the other person feels and understand why this person sees things the way they see it. But I think we're kind of scared because we are going to lose ground Mm. because then I'm not the center
0: anymore. Yeah. And that's like the key to it all. Before we can gain ground together, we all have to lose ground. We all. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say that this is easy. I'm not going to sit here and say that I know any of the answers. I won't even say I know any of them because I don't. I don't think I do. Um all i really bring to the table is a willingness to have the conversation and the one thing i mean for all of for all of the listeners who are white the one thing i want to tell you is that it is really hard for us when we open up to you and you bite at us If you, if a dog, if I could love, uh, this is probably the worst analogy in the world, but it's just what's coming to mind now, right? (laughs) If I have a dog that I love with all of my heart, not that white people are dogs, please do not misconstrue me.
2: You just screwed up, bro.
0: (laughs) People need to understand my heart. So like, I remember actually as a kid, I had a dog um, and I loved that dog. And one day she bit me. All relationships, friendships, even romantic relationships, the moment that you hurt that person, there's a gash there. This is me cleaning it up a little bit. There's a gash there. It hurts, and sometimes you can recover from that. Sometimes you can't. And so when I'm having an interaction with, even uh, especially, especially actually. Uh, a white person that I care about, that I love deeply. And there's something racial going on in the room that many times what happens is, at least from what I'm seeing, they're not aware of. There's a dynamic that is playing. There's like a microaggression that's kind of happening, and you're bumping up, and then like a cut happens. That's hard. And I think that that is what stops a lot of well-meaning people from engaging. well-meaning uh, uh, white people who are who are wanting to have these conversations. they're like, I don't want to cause a cut. And so they choose not to talk, which also causes damage. So like, yo, this is what I'm saying. this is hard. I'm not saying this is easy right as as the man that I am I have to be willing to sometimes take those cuts again so that we can continue the conversation then I have to be willing to talk about that cut in hopes that that person will listen you see how all of this interrelates and and just affects one another like it's complicated it's complicated family but we have to be willing to have those conversations. We have to be willing to, to to not bite at each other, to not cut at each other, to not hurt one another. And then when we do, we have to be willing to be able to say, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. You know what? I did. That's my bad. Or you know what? I can't see it, but I'm open to hearing about how it affected you so that I can become more aware of my actions. But then again, if I'm not willing to to have that conversation, how is that other person going to get an opportunity to grow? So it's everybody has to be committed. Everybody. Everybody has to be committed, because if we're not all committed as a family, as a body, Somebody is going to get alienated. Somebody's going to get left out. Somebody is going to have to stay quiet in order to appease everybody else. And that's not family. That's not body.
2: <clears throat> now, along with that comes with, um, comes. you look at most of the pastors I, I believe majority of pastors are in their 60s, right? 60s, 70s. Um, as far as I know, finding leadership in the church in their 30s is very difficult. Now, what's going to happen when pastors either retire or do, when they're no longer there? Whether they pass away, they retire, they, they get shifted around, whatever happens— What is our generation doing that's different? Yeah. So it's like, are we following in the same traits? Are we following the same footsteps? Are we actually willing and, 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 and working currently working at doing something different because right now we, uh, people, our generation are the ones that are taking over the churches and My kids are going to be the ones that are actually going to be leading it in the future. So if we're not doing something now, actively changing things now, then it's just going to be the same thing happening and we're passing the same thing over to our kids. And our kids are going to be us having this conversation 20 years from now. So we either have to be a, more vocal, but along with being vocal means let's try to find a solution. Let's work at a solution. I don't, don't just want to talk about a problem. Let's talk about a solution. But at the same time, speaking love. It's, it's weird because I love my kids, but sometimes I have to correct them. And I can't correct my children in anger because then I'm not really connect, correcting them. I'm just angry and I'm lashing out in anger. So I have to love them, correct them in love, or just show them all, just everything I do, I have to do in love. God is love. It's it's an action. And God can't do anything out of love. So whether he's loving us and and showing grace and peace and giving us all the good stuff, he's love. When he's telling us, you're screwing up in this area, that's love. And some of it is heavy. It's heavy. And some of it is very light, but I think at times we forget to act in love. When, when we're hurt, it's very difficult to act in love. So when something happens to, 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 to our, our, our black brothers or African-American brothers, something happens, it's very difficult to act in love because you're hurt. I know when, I hurt, when I'm hurt, I cry. Somebody's hurt and they cry. When somebody's happy, they smile. When so they, they, they rejoice. Uh, you could tell, but it's very difficult to, to have that, that time to say, you know, I'm hurting right now, but I still have to act in love. Mm. And sometimes that love is correction. But it is not abuse. It is not lashing out. It is correction. Sometimes you have to step away for a while in love so that I don't act out of love and out of my Christ-like nature. I'm called to be like Christ. And as Christ is like the Father, I have to act in love at all times. That's what I should strive for. My my duty is to behave like Christ in love so that everybody that sees me Sees who Christ is. Whether it's in race relations. Whether it's in generational relations. Because oftentimes I just don't understand the next generation. Or the previous generation. Why did you do this? This makes no sense. Why are you still doing this? This makes no sense. You see it's not working. But because you like things this way. You just keep going. It's not working. Now. Is that being, am I being Christ-like in doing that? Or am I being Christ-like in saying, this doesn't work. Why don't we try this or let's try this? Let's try. And sometimes it's going to take a million tries. Sometimes it's never even going to happen. So I guess in that, we have to figure out what, what is Christ-like and what is love. Sometimes it is stepping away for a while. And, and, and letting that healing happen. Sometimes it's being bold. But. All of the time, it's acting in love, not in anger, Um, not being those hurt people that hurt people, but being those God people that are godly. And that's the part that sometimes I don't like to do. It, it, it It's heavy to put myself to the side because other people need and maybe me putting myself to the side is going to help others and it doesn't always look the same but it's always heavy as you, you look at where we're at. Like I said, we are the next leaders. We are the current leaders that are the future faces of the church. that are leading a generation that right now is very confused they see so many things happening and the church is not being as stable as it could be so we got a pretty big job ahead of us because we're finding all these holes and it's kind of going to be our job to fill them up like fix these walls do whatever we have to do because we found the issues and I mean when we're seeing these things I don't just want to point out problems I want to be part of the solution 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 solution
0: I don't want to just be a part of the problem I want to be a part of the solution I feel like that's a a perfect way for us to really. For us to end and for us to take with us, for each of you that's listening, for all of us to be committed to um, everything that we need to do to be able to be a family, to be connected, to be united, to love one another. I love so much how you said that um, we need to be committed to love, whether... You know, I don't know what's Christ-like, if it's to be bold, if it's to take a step back, if it's to offer solutions, if it's just to follow. But what is always Christ-like is to walk in love. That's so good. Like, And I pray that all of us, every single one of us, um, race or sex or whatever identification that person may have, that we would all walk in the love of Christ and that we would be committed to doing so. So uh, listeners, we thank you so much uh, for making it this far. We love you guys so much. We appreciate you so much. We just want you guys to just continue to have an amazing time with the podcast. I want to invite you guys, if you have been enjoying our episodes, to leave a review, uh, leaving reviews on whatever platform you are listening on helps uh the podcast to be pushed to other people who would enjoy listening to this content if this episode blessed you please share it with somebody else so that we can continue the conversation if you would like to hear more from us please feel free to reach out to us on instagram the instagram handle will be included in the show notes where you can reach out to us there and uh, continue the conversation feel free to send us a dm we do answer and uh, we would love to hear more from anybody who wants to share with us uh, love on us and help us to grow as well thank you guys uh, have an amazing day peace